Ballistic Sports presents Out of the Park with Barry Davis. Follow Ballistic on Twitter at Ballistic underscore sports. This week, it's been almost five years and Chris Colabello is still fighting to clear his name. Do you understand how ridiculous the thing that happened to me is about me getting suspended? Like, there's not a dude that thought working out could have been dumber as a baseball player. Like, I I would work out because I felt like I had to. But, like, I'd much rather just go in the cage and hit balls. And now, a man whose performance has never been accused of being enhanced. Here's Barry Davis. Whoa, 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 whoa. Enhanced? Come on, man. Well, you've never put out a performance good enough that anybody thought you cheated, Barry. This is true. This is true. <laughs> and, you know, it's it, it's so interesting because, and, and we'll get into this with, with Chris, when you look back at the team that Chris Colabella was a member of, you could have pointed out maybe a half a dozen guys and said, I wouldn't be surprised if they're doing PEDs. Mm-hmm. Yep. Chris Colabella was not even in the same city as that. No. Right? He, no. He's the, the last guy you would ever expect. Yep. And I hope, Matt, uh, Matt what year is this? That, Thomas. Yeah, that's okay, George. <laughs> I mean, Barry. <laughs> Um, I hope that anyone who's listening to this who says, once a cheater, always a cheater, he did it, science, blah, blah. I hope that you listen to this and have a new way of thinking. Yeah. I hope that Chris can convince you, not that he has to, but I do hope that maybe you see things a little bit differently. Yeah, because this is one of those situations where things really need to be seen differently. You know, the the last major media story on Chris Colabello in Toronto, I believe, was in 2016. And, you know, it's a real shame because that's the last shot that we have of him was, you know, the, the, the accusations of cheating, the, the positive test, and, and that's it. We just kind of closed the book on him. But, you know, Crystal has a life that he's living, and he's choosing to go forward and try and get what happened to him not to happen to other people because this weird test for this arcane steroid has now claimed 21 major league ball players and chris is a leading fighter in the voice to get this test taken down um the ufc's already dropped it it's it's ridiculous and and it's a right, story we will ta- yeah <laughs> we will get into it uh up next however folks uh, the blue jays finally dip into that free agency and a tribute that we're going to pay now to another great legend of baseball that we lost. There's Tom Ambera. You're listening to Out of the Park. Ladies and gentlemen, girls and boys, the first pitch with Barry Davis. And we want to uh, also thank our friends at Ballistic Sports, Don Corby and the fellas. Uh, Some incredible board games that will be coming your way, and I'm trying to get an update. Don, I know you listen to the show. Let me know what's going on. When are these games coming? I think fans are... Really excited about this stuff, Tom. I'd love to have it ready for when baseball season starts. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Don, let us know. Yes. (laughs) Ballisticsports.com is the place to go. All right. Um, Man, oh, man, Tom, when you look over the last, and I don't want to say for 2021 because the first one was, I think, Boxing Day. But Mm. over the last several weeks, we've lost like four baseball Legends. Yeah. Uh, It was Phil Necro, Don Sutton, Tommy Lasorda, and now this past week, uh, Hank Aaron. And my goodness, 
Yeah, the the Hank Aaron loss is, you know, that was the one memory that I took over all others, over my trip to, to, to Cooperstown. We took the family a couple of years ago, and uh, that was the, the Hank Aaron display that they had there. And, you know, I was expecting a huge Hank Aaron display about his baseball, but his baseball endeavors were like the smallest part of the display. The amazing things he did to make his country and the world a better place. Yeah. He, he is absolute inspiration, and we lost just a wonder. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about the the difference that Jackie Robinson made, and he made it possible. He mm-hmm. broke the color barrier. That didn't mean that the, the fight was over. And when Hank Aaron became the guy in Major League Baseball, he had to, you know, he didn't have to fight to get into the league, but he was still facing a, a lot of the same racism and just horrible, horrible things being said to him by fans, by death anybody threats. out death there. Threats. Yeah, death threats. Death threats. As, he, as he runs. was, yes, as he was catching Babe Ruth's all time record. Unbelievable. Um, and it's a real wake-up call. You know, if you want someone to really understand the struggle for equal rights and civil rights in the U.S., uh, I, I, I've always pointed them to, to the story of Hank Aaron because, yeah, this is, you know, this is where they were at in the 70s. And, and obviously they're, they're improving and they're getting better every single day. But in the 70s, they were a nation where, yeah, you know, at the highest stage, someone would receive death threats for, for hitting a home run and for playing a sport well. And, and you know that's that's not long ago unfortunately yeah well we've heard so much about what hank aaron was as a baseball player uh, but a couple of years ago i had a chance right here on the show and out of the park to speak firsthand with former toronto blue jays manager cito gaston who had a, a very interesting connection with hank aaron you had probably the roommate of all roommates can you tell us a little bit about what that was like having hank aaron as your roommate well it was really like uh unreal because uh, not only was he my roommate, he's also my childhood idol growing up. So, I mean, I, how often you get that happen, something like that happen to you? And uh, I was just with Hank about a week ago down in Atlanta, and uh, uh, the one thing I hate is that I didn't talk to him about hitting until later on when I started to work in the organization, work for him or work with him, as he would say. Uh, but it was outstanding. The man taught me how to tie a tie. Uh, he taught me to stand on your two on two feet. Uh, he always told me don't take yesterday into tomorrow. Oh, if you had a good day, enjoy it. Next day, pass, move on. If you have a bad day, do the same thing. And when you hear Cito Gaston describe that advice that he got from uh, Hank Aaron, it, it totally you cannot totally understand how that rubbed off and that personality became the type of personality Cito Gaston is. It, it's it's actually pretty stunning. When you mm-hmm. think about that, but I, I don't think enough. And, and I remember one of the things that he said in an interview is that you know, you know, it's not so much he wants to be remembered as as a great hitter; he wants to be remembered as a great person. And yeah. that's to me, that's what my my legacy. I don't want any. I don't care about what I accomplished or what I saw or who I did and how much money I made. I want my legacy to be that you are a good human being. Yeah, and and you know what? We started this off talking about my trip to Cooperstown and and that legacy that I saw there and, and the impact that it made on me. I think he has certainly a- accomplished that. And and wow, what 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 a legend to, to to miss, but what an amazing life to celebrate in the end. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of amazing, 
the Toronto Blue Jays dig deep to get a free agent, a key free agent. And it was just a week ago, Thomas, mm-hmm. that we were talking about a 50-50 split in people voting in saying that they think that this offseason's been a failure. Yep. Well, they now have the big free agent outfielder in George Springer. Yep. I think we should run the poll again. I think we'd probably be pretty surprised at the results. I think it might be still be 50-50. <laughs> Maybe that's just the world we live in. Like, half the people are going to find a way to be angry. Yes. And it, uh, go ahead. No, it was what an exciting week. And, you know, this is a week that we talked to Chris Colabello, and, and we, we were reminiscing about that 2015 as, as the free agents or you know, and the trades started rolling in as, as we started accumulating all these players and all this excitement. And, and, and then we got done that talk with Colabello, and we lived it in real life again this week. Yeah. Almost. I mean, there was one swing and a miss this week. But, it, but even still, there was some substantial adds to the Blue Jays this, this week. Kirby Yates is well, not there, there, Yeah, and, and that's something that I, I don't think enough is being said about this nope. signing and, and the potential that he can provide in the back end of that bullpen. I mean, they've got options now. I mean, yeah. Jordan Romano showed that he Romano, can do it. Nice oh, man, I, I can't wait for him to get back. And that was one of the things that made me feel, you know, that it made not missing out on Liam Hendricks a little bit easier is that I knew we had Romano. And then now Kirby Yates in there. I'm loving the back end of our bullpen. Mm-hmm. And if you're Jordan Romano, I, I don't know why, but I, I picture him kind of going the same direction as an Aaron Sanchez, that you go from a middle reliever to a closer and then – you know, you do some setting up, and then all of a sudden you're in the rotation. Um, we've had really? Jordan on the show many, many we times. Have. And, yeah, yeah. And right from the beginning, Jordan's always talked about how he always wanted to be a starter, never wanted to be a, le- a reliever. Well, you get called up, you become a major leaguer, and it's like, well, I'm not going to say no to being a reliever. I'd rather be a reliever in the majors than a starter in the minors, right? Mm-hmm. And he's grown into this role, and, and you know, he's had success, and why not? I mean, love it. Having yeah. said that, I still think that Jordan Romano, if he was asked, would you like to transition back into a starter, he would not hesitate to say yes. Really? Yeah. Wow. You know, it's funny because I remember our talk with him this summer. I believe it was my first episode of Out of the Park. If it wasn't, yes. my, if it wasn't my first, it was one of my very first. Mm-hmm. And, and I got to say... I don't know. I mean, when we talked to him, he sounded like someone who had really, I mean, and really enjoyed the journey that, that he'd been on and, and had just started enjoying kind of getting to the pinnacle of, of the closing role. And, you know, he got the injury obviously. Um, but I would be surprised. I, he was so effective. I don't think they're going to jump to move him. From where he's. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm not saying right away. I'm yeah. saying eventually. Because uh, okay. I, I don't know. I mean, if Jordan Romano is, is a closer, yes. If Jordan Romano is your setup guy, I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, I guess you had Ward and Hanky, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I see him transitioning to either being a, a closer or a starter. That That's pretty much more what I'm saying. Like, I don't yeah. see him for his career being just a setup guy. Yeah. 
It's going to yeah. be one one or the other with him. And and I w- whichever one happens, he's going to have a lot of success. But it's nice for the Jays to see the options. They yeah, have. it's nice we to have already, possibilities. We even, yeah, we haven't even spoken about Springer yet. And, and you oh, know, that guy. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. This, I mean, you can put him anywhere in the top three spots in the batting order. Yeah. And. You know, regardless of whether or not they make any more additions, and again, for a few hours it looked like, holy moly! Now they've got Michael Brantley, mm-hmm. but uh, and I I will say this for myself, because I did not see uh, the initial tweet. Okay, um, I I can't see. Oh, that the Brantley ticket. tweet. Yeah. Yeah. About about him signing. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned Springer, and somebody wrote to me and said, "Hey, but what about Brantley?" And yep. I said, I don't believe anything until I get an official. And at that point, I didn't know there was even rumors out there. right? I thought that this is just somebody spreading yeah. a rumor, right? Well, this one fooled um, everybody. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and again, it, it's, it's lessons to be learned in the media business on so many levels. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whoever got the initial scoop. Uh, and, and then those who followed it up. And we're talking big names. Rosenthal and Passan. Yep. I mean, it just it fooled everybody. It fooled everybody. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It did. Like fair, fair enough. Everybody got duped by this for a little bit. And and this uh, this is what happens though, Tom, in the world of getting it first. Yep. And, and you and I have talked about this off air. Like, yeah. who this cares is... who has it first? I've never cared. Bingo. The most ridiculous thing I've ever watched is, is is trade deadline when you see the TSN versus Sportsnet thing. Oh, well, they got like, the ticker running. Yeah. You know what? Who cares? I just exactly. want to know the trade. I don't care if you get it 30 seconds before they get it. Like, yep. who cares? How I get my news, I don't give a crap when they had it. I don't want to hear the first news. I want to hear the best news. I want to hear the most in-depth coverage. I want to hear every side of the story, right? And and Listen, weeknights on, out of the park. That was a good promotion for us there, Tom. There we go. You know what? We could do that, and I think that we could bring two different sides <laughs> to every story. But, hey. Let's just get through this episode first. <laughs> I agree 100%. All right, Thomas, um, I think that's all we've got to say about mm-hmm. that because we've got a very lengthy conversation coming up with Chris Colabello. Uh, we will, though, have to hear from our pal Raj Sapaya and then mm, maybe one or two quick Ask Barry Davis questions. Yeah, you know what? If we don't do them this week, we got to do at least two next week. Okay. All right. There's Tom. I'm Barry. You're listening to Out of the Park. Foundation Physiotherapy presents The Medical Room. We are joined once again by our pal Raj Sapaya. And Raj, this week I feel I have what is a very serious, legitimate question. Uh, But when I talked to Tom about what we were going to talk to you about, he Mm kind of, I don't know, you kind of... Okay. Well, no, I think it's important to say when I when someone uses the word psychosomatic, I did not. It, no, but I did. Oh. But it doesn't mean. But but when I say it, I, I'm not saying that you're making it up, and I'm not saying that just because something is coming from from things up here, it's it's not real and it's not mm-hmm. a problem that needs to be addressed. Okay, Raj, the problem, and you've been working <laughs> on my right elbow for the longest time, and I had this pain right around my elbow, and mm-hmm. that pain is slowly going away. But now I have the exact same pain in the other elbow. Is yeah. this a coincidence? Is this psychosomatic, or is there something to this? <laughs> we could we could argue all day, um, but to be honest, we won't. We can't figure it out until we investigate, right? It could be both. It could be ha! a legitimate. It could be a legitimate mm. issue on your left elbow, 
that you're developing. Uh, it could be, those could be the parts of your elbow that you're maybe weaker in or you're overusing with whatever you're doing. And so those are the same spots that you're getting pain on left or right. Maybe you were using your right hand because your right hand was painful. You started subconsciously using your left arm more to help you with lifting or whatever you're doing. So you're feeling it on the same spots, you know, Otherwise, it could also be psychosomatic in which the brain actually mirrors the pain on the other side. Right. It's kind of like a defense mechanism. It's, it's really interesting. Um, it's kind of like a defense mechanism that the brain would use for you to recognize that something's still there. Uh, there's still some sort of problem. Uh, some people that are a bit more holistic might get deeper into it, that it might, it might be a signal of other events in your life. Um, but that's you know not in my purview of, of how I of my, my clinical skills. But the best thing that I would do in this case is I would actually just believe what you're saying and I would assess you and see whether it is truly mechanical and that is it an organic pain that's actually on that left side or if it's not and nothing can actually reproduce it, um, it could be something that we might have to address through others, other, other areas or we just got to track the pain. Maybe it's, maybe it's something that was temporary and just went away, you know? It's, it's not like I said that I had a, a pain in my quad and now the pain in my quad's gone, but I can feel it in my knee. And then it feels down, yeah. you know, lower leg. That that yeah. makes more sense, right? Because of the yeah. nerves all connected. Yeah. But I mean, you know, there there is a theory, there is an, anatom an anatomical theory that, you know, when we look at the spine and we see two nerves that come out to either side, right? Um, there's a theory that it's actually not two nerves. It's actually one, one nerve, huh. right? So it's the same nerve that goes from my left arm to my right arm. And so tension here could actually be pulling tension here and those are some of the theories that are built upon the foundations of like acupuncture and ayurvedic medicine some of the more you know eastern principles of medicine that's what they believe in there's energy and nerve lines that are actually one line across the body wow. uh, so that's that's that holistic component so it could very much be real well you know what raj my pain is real it always is real <laughs> And you getting on my nerves. So let's wrap this one up. And but it's talk just one nerve. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. And now, in the dugout with Barry Davis. All right, Thomas, so we talked about uh, possibly doing an Asbury Davis, and I said, I don't know if we have any time, we have any time, and you said, well, I mean, it's it's a kind of a pertinent question for what's going on right now, so uh, go ahead and uh, fire away. Tell us who it's from, and... So we've we've got a, a number of Ask Barry Davises this week uh, from a number of different people, but that they are all kind of revolving around the exact same topic, which is the George Springer topic. So, you know, the shout out Mark Carruthers is is one of the guests, and then uh, there's a couple of OTP members uh, on Twitter. Biggles uh, has actually asked a question about it, and there's a lot. Uh, Matthew as well should have done a poll on it. That's what we should have done. You know what? We should we, we can drop do that this the week. poll again. It's well, too late now. Oh man, no! But we'll do one this week. It's okay. okay. You know what? Everything was so. You need to be. You you're my rock. You're my pole. Okay. Dag damn it. Okay. You hear that, listeners? Okay. Um. So the question is about George Springer, yes. right? And, and his past. So, so it's there's two different questions. Number one, do we see any outfield movement, and 
Number two, the the other question that keeps coming up and up and up, and this is the one I think we should dig into today, given who we're speaking to next, uh, and that is the whole cheating thing with George Springer. Should we even be giving him a chance? Some people are asking. Should it be bygones? Be bygones? Should we keep the guy under house arrest? What do you think, Barry? Ask well, Barry here's the ask. difference. George Springer is a cheater, right? Uh, Chris Colabello is not a cheater, right? You and I both can concur mm-hmm. on that. So there's there's de- oh, difference number one. Bing, 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 um, number one. Yep. Here is, here's the thing. George Springer was part of a group that did a, decided to do something. When you are in that clubhouse and everyone wants – it's like being in a union, mm-hmm. right? If they go on strike, even if I don't want to go on strike, I've got to stand out there and hold the sign and tell everybody, hell yeah, I'm on strike, right? <laughs> you don't go against union. So, you know what I mean? Just because yep. you don't – you appear something, it doesn't you, – you don't necessarily know what's going on in the inside, if that makes sense to you. I love that. That's exactly where I land on this, too. We don't know. And, you know, do we want to? Like, does it, does it really matter? Um, if he's, if he's going to come here and maybe cheat, if it, you know, but that's not going to happen, right? Especially after what he went through in Houston. He's not going to arrive at a new team and be like, hey, guys, I brought my trash can. It's, it's- Here's the other thing, right? You look at all the tweets that came in from Houston Astros fans, and not one of them said, well, good, we got rid of another cheater. No, they said, Blue Jay fans, you're going to love this guy. Great character, great person, great for the community, wonderful teammate. I saw so many tweets from media people in baseball saying, great human being, Mm -hmm. you know. Anyone who, and this is kind of going to be the theme of of when we talked about with Chris Colabello, anybody who throws any kind of a stone or makes a judgment on a mistake that was made by somebody or even wrongly accused of making a mistake. Yep. Have you never made a mistake yourself? Have you never, you know, <laughs> didn't do something and somebody thought you did and you really believed you, you didn't do it and you know you didn't do it? I mean, put yourself in the other person's shoes for one second. And this is what irritates me the most about all the the trolls that continue to ride on this guy. Mm-hmm. Five years have passed. Honestly, it, oh, if he did it, he wouldn't give a shit at this point. Why would he be still fighting to clear his name five years later if he did it? Yeah. Well, now Come we're on. On, now we're on Colabello, right? Yes. So, yes, and I'm I'm with you there 100. percent And and everybody get ready because you're about to hear from Chris. And and by the end of this interview, you're gonna know he didn't cheat. Um, but I want to kind of bring you back to what you were talking about um, with that putting yourself in someone else's shoes. And and what do you do? Like. Maybe George Springer was the one guy on Houston that was like, you guys are terrible. I can't believe you're doing this. Please stop it. But what do you do if you're in that situation? You got to support the team, right? But imagine if yep. he came out and and he baited out the team and, and he would be 
what would happen to him then? How many repercussions would he face in what different ways, right? Like both with his former teammates in Houston and with his current teammates in Toronto. Maybe with really? the union. Like Right. You're you're gonna out your whole team, you know what I mean? Bingo. Like eh. So so we don't know. And we don't know if it's if that was the case or if he was one of the ringleaders that's like, guys, I got this great idea we were trying in college. We don't know that. So why are we even trying to make a decision on that? What we do know is we've got a great player. We feel good about our team. We, even though people have accused Toronto of cheating in the past, there's no more guy with the white shirt at, at the Rogers Center anymore because there's no fans this year. So we're good. <laughs> let's just let's just enjoy a good thing. And you know, I said the same when we got Melky a few years ago. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna end someone's career for cheating once, then end it. But if you're gonna if you're gonna deal with it in a way and let them get past it, then let them get past it. And all this stuff, all this talking about it, is just shatter, and we should get past it. All right, let's get on to Mr. Chris Colabello, and uh, this was the first time you've ever spoken to him, mm -hmm. Tom. For me, I've spoken to him many, many times. But what even I found absolutely stunning was, I mean, this is a very lengthy conversation you're about to hear. This is. Mm -hmm close to an hour long well once the the cameras were off and the audio was off and we were just you know shooting it with each other we spoke for another two hours yeah with chris yeah and that's just the type of guy he is we're not ball players we're not on that level we're just you know we're just normal people right <laughs> and yep. and for him to take the time to just chat with us for what ended up being three or four hours tells you a lot about where his ego is at, that he doesn't think that he's up here, and I'm. These are just a couple of you know, yahoos in Canada. No, no. Am I allowed to say that? And and you know what? And 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 I wouldn't say we've gotten that from any any Blue Jay player. Actually, that's the one thing that's blown me away week after week is is how open and 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 amazing these players are, these people are to talk to. Um, but I was blown away. Barry, that was one of the best conversations I've had in years. Like, we were on the phone till what, was it 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and what strikes me, um, you know, what strikes me from my history of, of mental health and uh, being trained to, to kind of listen to people's stories and, and, and really listen and what he's gone through. And, and, you know, we're talking to him on the record, and then we talk to him off the record. He wants to make the world better. Yep. You know, he's not out there fighting for him. You know, he has, you know, he's got baseball bats behind him on, on, on the wall, and they're not his, they're the players that he played with, right? Mm -hmm. He's not that A-type personality that, no. he, he was a guy that enjoyed and loved the game and treasured every moment of it. And he's a guy with an unblemished track record of just being an authentic person. And that's what we saw. We'd never, we had never spoken before. And, you know, three hours later, I feel like, you know, I, I know him and I know him really, really well. And I think people that when they listen to this interview, they're going to get the same thing even in just the hour. This is an authentic guy who gives you who he is. And you can't, I mean, you, there are people that can fake that, but we've talked to other players too. And everybody you talk to says the same thing about him. Right, so either he's the best actor, working on the performance of a lifetime over five years when people have even stopped paying attention, 
and he's working on it by trying to be a leader and help other people in the same situation that he found himself in. So either, Absolutely. either is that, or this test is messed up, and man, his story needs to be heard, and his story needs to be corrected. And, and that is where we're at. And let's get to it as we speak. Chris Colabello joins us from his home, and uh, for those watching on Zoom, it looks like, is that a gun rack behind you, or is that... Uh... Yeah, that's what I, those are my those are like all oh. the dots that I hit rockets with. No, I didn't hit rockets; just the people that gave them to me. You know, <laughs> if you read the one that Tulo signed, it's really funny. He calls me some choice words. <laughs> so hang on a second. But, you you as as a ball player will go up to your teammates and ask for an autograph. That's pretty cool. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, I, there's still a every every ball player still is a ball fan too, right? I should have started sooner. I was afraid. So the first one I got was the little guy right here, Jose Altuve. That was my first one that I asked for. Um, the second one was my two teammates in Minnesota, Josh Willingham, Joe Maurer. Joe Maurer said, CC, love the way you drive the ball the other way. Cool. Which, you know, that was a pretty good, like, you know, from a guy who hit the ball the other way as well as anybody. Did you ever tell him uh, his hair looks great? And he doesn't have dandruff or anything like that? No, the head and shoulders thing, I never brought that up. Oh, too bad. <laughs> um, but, like, yeah, and then I got, um, like, Donaldson, Batista, and uh, and uh, Tulowitzki from the Jays. And then the other one, when I went to Cleveland, I got Francisco Lindor. And he said I was the best. It's on the bat, it says, to the best locker mate. I mean, oh. he's probably full of crap. Like, he didn't actually mean that, He right? thought you were a clubby. <laughs> Did he mean that? Well, he probably meant it. I'm a pretty good player, right? Like, I, it's a it's one heck of a souvenir. Where did you get the idea to start collecting bats from other players? Um, I think the the, the bat thing was always something that if I was gonna get stuff, I wanted bats. Like balls, just seemed like, like you know, whatever. Everybody Are you saying you have ball. no balls? No, I have plenty of those too. There. Okay. I'll move the camera if you want. No, it's Wait, okay. I'll go back with the hat because the shadow of that. Yeah, you guys are going to want to see you my know, beautiful eyes. You know that TV um, trick, right? There we go. Um, yeah, so, um, no, the bats, like, were always my thing. The David Ortiz, I think, is uh, – that's the one that, like, that one and the, and the Lindor are the ones I, I think I treasure the most. Don't tell Hose I said that because no. I appreciate the fact that he gave me a bat. And I, you just don't tell the other people that okay. I said that the, the Ortiz. I'll, I'll give uh, – I'll, I'll make sure that we say nothing but great things about you. You give Jose a little nudge to come on the show. Deal? I, I can't control other people, Barry. Yes, you can. Yeah. Just you know how you know the way it works. Just you tell know him the, that I offer the him only reason offer I him some money. I'm, the only reason I come on is because I I'm, I don't know how to say no to people. Just that way. So you, like, it's not it's not because I like you. It's not, none of that stuff. It's just, I don't know how to say no. You know, it's like I'm like the guy in Austin Powers. You just ask me three times, and then I. He got you on the phone and he dragged you into it. Hang on a second. I didn't know we were joined by Joe Biagini. Jeez. Actually, you've got a connection with Joe Biagini, don't you? Share to yes. our listeners and viewers how you, your family and the Biagines have a connection. It's just a vowel on the end of the last name. So he claimed that our dads played together. I, I still haven't attested this. I think I asked Lou about it at one point. That's your father he for people yes. listening? I think they might have spoke. But I couldn't have a conversation with Biagini because if I did, I would have blacked out. I got dumber every time I spoke to him. <laughs> I get it. Like, but if I talked to Joe, I felt dumber when I was done. Wouldn't you have loved to see Biagini and Kawasaki as teammates and hear that conversation? 
That's a lot. You're, I mean, you're asking for a lot there. I think just Kawa by himself is that's the show, man. Like I don't, I could just play with Kawasaki and that's it, and nobody else. So that's the thing. Like with COVID and nobody in the stands, they're looking for something to make baseball more excited. Give those two a show, and and Chris, you know, we've only been talking for a couple of minutes, but I think you could probably work in there too. I just need to be the the, the middle guy. My sarcasm allows things to like just happen so i let the other person be funny and then i make light of it through like a sarcastic but like the dry like yeah that's what i do on this show yeah, yeah. so then let's not talk about your baseball heroes for a second who are your favorite comedians like who did you watch and listen to growing up and made you say i like this guy's funny i th- i didn't watch anybody growing up what? I, there was no comedian so listen there's only one comedian in the world to me his name's kevin hart yeah that's great it's hysterical, right? Like I'll only watch his stand-up. I watched. I recently watched. Um, you know the show Silicon Valley? Yeah. You ever watch? Really funny. Uh, Jerry Jerry Yang is that his name? He's the he plays uh, Jin Yang on the show. Mm-hmm. He he's doing stand-up now. He's pretty funny. But I will say this: the Kevin Hart thing. You ever see this? The, this one. <laughs> I can't even. Do you it. can do it. You can do it. No, you know, he goes, you know what else I'm scared of? I'm scared of ostriches, you know? And he goes, one time my friend took a pen, threw an ink pen at an ostrich, hit the ostrich right in the chest. <laughs> he goes, the ostrich, his body was facing this way, and his head was just like this. <laughs> and then he starts, you know, he starts talking about the ostrich chasing the car. I won't give it away. I'll let people go watch You know what? Uh, okay, this movie wasn't great, but I thought Kevin Hart was hilarious in it. The one with him and Will Ferrell, where uh, Will Ferrell's going to prison. Yeah, get hard. Get hard. God, he was. I see all Kevin Hart stuff. He like, actually if Kevin just Hart made... listens to your show. If Kevin Hart listens to your show, yeah. You know, you want me to get Jose Bautista on your show? Yeah. Get Kevin Hart to be now, my friend. Would, would he? What would you get Did him you hear to sign? About the story. Oh. Would you get not Sorry. a bat? What would a comedian sign? Whatever. Like I a microphone. I don't care. I just want to <laughs> hang out with him. He threw out the first pitch in Chicago one time. I was like, yo, Kevin, Kev on the bus. That was part of one of his skits. I was like, Kev on the bus. And they was like, not now, y'all. I got a lot on my mind because he's about to curse out. Oh, you weren't playing it. You weren't like a player then. Yeah, it was the first pitch. I was in the dugout and I was like, and he looked at any, any, and he gave you a not now, son. I got to go. No, 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 not now, son. That's part of the skit. He's right. like, yo, Kev on the bus. Oh, okay. like, I thought he was big leaguing you. Y'all. I got a lot on my mind. That's like part of the skit. But in the, you know, at the game, I don't think he heard me. or I didn't have enough juice to be able to go up to somebody and be like, yo, I need to beat Kevin Hart right now. And <laughs> like if if it was Joey Bats or, you know, Donaldson, they would have been like, yeah, yeah bring him right over All right, Tom. Kevin Hart. Save this. Yeah, Kevin Hart was just filming a movie here in the GTA. And uh, if you want to meet Kevin Hart, uh, a gentleman in Brampton showed the whole world the way. He found out that Kevin was filming in the GTA, and so he bought a billboard asking Kevin to contact him and have lunch. That's awesome. And, and I don't know if you heard, but like Kevin, are you serious? Not the guy. Yeah, yeah it's a yeah, pricey yeah. lunch, though. That's expensive. Yeah, but you know, you you were in the MLB. I figure you could find out what That's city a good you in. Buy, buy yourself a billboard, get a lunch date. It's yeah. been like four years since anybody let me play in that league. Five, maybe. Let Even me. though I'd still be the best hitter there, but whatever. I'm not. I don't mean that. No, that's um, okay. What is the GTA? Can you explain that to me? The GTA is the Greater Toronto Area. I was gonna say. I thought I was. I thought I was with you, but I wasn't sure. Yeah. 
So, you know, like you're flying into Toronto and where the city starts, like that's sort of whole big area of city. It's, that's the GTA. What's the so, part like, where all the Italian people live? Where uh, our, 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 our Little our Italy? Batman, Johnny Nelly. Well, there's Little oh, Italy, there's Woodbridge. Vaughan, there's Woodbridge. Yeah, I used to go up there all the time and Paisans would give me some some espresso and oh yeah you know, whatever i can go hang it was just like being in the old country speaking of <laughs> um do you, do you still have a lot of family there yeah how did things go with covid because it hit italy really bad there at the beginning right it was really the the northern region in in, in lombardia it's not lombardy as people call it like the where milan <laughs> is um and it, like so if i had to describe milan to you like so I, I, I think of Toronto as like a much cleaner, nicer version of New York City, probably like yeah. not quite as dense. I would have like, compared it more to Chicago personally, but Okay, cool. Like but Milan is like a much dirtier, like denser version of New York City, Ugh. which is what you do. And like the Italian population like is relatively old, like a lot of smokers there. Um, and just kind of dirty. Like every other bathroom you go into might not have hand soap. So um the immune system probably isn't great there, is what you're saying? Yeah, let's put it this way. Like, I wasn't surprised when that region got hit. You know, throughout the rest of Italy, I think they 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 managed it um, okay. Like, I, obviously, I think their natural thing was, like, government shutdown. Um, here in the U.S., it's, it's you know, I don't know. I don't know what the hell's going on. I just try to make it through every day. And Oh, by the way. you okay and safe? I mean, look at him. Look at him. I, I <laughs> like I, I'm, I did my Peloton tonight. I had a lot of like a, I just we just got the bike, which is tight. Like um, I was doing the app before on the treadmill, and this is something Batista and I both talked about. I was like, now that I'm not playing baseball, I'm gonna get in the best shape of my life. Um, so we're like we're actually like excited. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna try to like I don't know run a triathlon or something. Come on, I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, like, I, I just, like, I'm, I hate working out. Like, I think it's the stupidest thing ever. But, like, recently I've just, I'm just, like, turning over a new leaf. And, I, it, like, the chat, like, the, the, the Peloton aspect of it, right? Like, having the screen on and having somebody talking to you. Like, it pisses me off so much that when I'm running, they actually, like, make me want to run. So, it's, like, I don't know if they reverse psychology you into it. You're I running, running from them. <laughs> like, I hate running. I've always been okay at running, like distance running. Like if I needed to run a mile, I could just do it. I didn't need to train. And my wife's even worse. She she'd be like, she would go run a half marathon and she'd train for like a week. And I'd be like, How are you gonna do this? She's like, I'm just gonna keep putting one foot in front of the other until like I'm done. And I'm like, Really? It's that easy? And it's one of those mind over matter things or whatever. But now I'm I'm like into like cardio, which it, it, I'm still not, I don't like it. I just do it. It's weird hearing an athlete say that. Like you'd think that that was all you ever thought of, was cardio, you know, baseball. Well, you know what? Think about it. Tell me, <laughs> tell me why that when you look at guys, say like a Brett Laurie, who was so freaking tight, he did not have like a minuscule bit of of fat on him, and the dude got hurt all the time. Do you understand how ridiculous the thing that happened to me is about me getting suspended? Like, there's not a dude that thought working out could have been dumber as a baseball player. Like I, like I would work out cause I felt like I had to, but like, I'd much rather just go in the cage and hit balls. Like I never stretched. 
lifting was like a few and far between kind of thing for me. Like if I wasn't like, you know, afraid of getting like you guys an R rating on this show, I'll lift up my shirt and show you my stomach. So like case in point, <laughs> like Lori had like 1% body fat, probably mm-hmm. like getting hurt, you know, struggled a little bit. Like I think, you know, no offense. Like I'm going to call myself in this category fat guys rake, man. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Now, listen, you opened the can of worms, so I'm going to uh, try to dig into it a little bit. And are, are you making any progress? I mean, I know there's yeah, been a, there's I'm been a lot of progress. I'm, I'm always making progress. The problem is, is nobody wants to listen to it. Like nobody wants to hear it. So like from the standpoint of like the world. So case in point, the UFC had some issues. John Jones, some other fighters went through the same things. The UFC, I've I've spoken to directly like their side of it the ufc has now created a threshold limit for that specific metabolite of that specific drug because they recognize the problem with the drug um on like on the record the head of the salt lake city the smyrtle lab uh in salt lake city has said this drug acts unlike any other drug we've ever seen before meaning they have no idea how long supposedly it could stay in your system um, there have been articles, Ken Rosenthal and Jared Diamond both wrote articles this summer after uh, Trace Barrera and Ken Emanuel um, tested positive and, and were suspended for the same things. If anybody was just paying attention, they'd go, yeah, that's pretty ridiculous what happened to them. Um, yeah. I mean, I can expand on it. Like it, it is like it is what it is at this point. Like if somebody wants to listen, like, do I feel like I should get my name cleared? Like a thousand percent. Right. Because if not, I'll go to my grave with this thing living over my shoulder, and it sucks. And it 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 derailed my career. It it made me kind of like spite like the thing that I grew up dreaming about doing, and like I just kind of don't like it anymore in some ways. But that's you know while I was preparing for this interview, and I and I followed your story, uh, diehard Blue Jays fan for years, and and you know. 2015 was a feel-good story, but your, your story had been a feel-good story from 2013 uh, when you broke with the Twins and, you know, after spending all that time in the minors and, uh, you know, preparing for this interview and, and researching what's really happened as a result of, of, you know, what happened to you. It's now 21 different major league players, I think, by this summer that have somehow magically tested positive for a steroid that hasn't been used since the 80s in the Soviet Union. And the funny thing is, is we're all like, it's not even, we're just testing, we're testing positive for the steroid. We're testing positive for like what's deemed to be a trace amount, which is like a picogram level of a single metabolite. Like everybody has the same metabolite trace. Like, so I'm talking like a picogram is one fifty millionth of a grain of salt, by the way. So if you test positive for seven fifty millionths of a grain of salt, like, like, is that even fathomable on the, like the, like if I breathe in dust, I'm probably breathing in like bigger particles of stuff than, than what that is. So, uh, and, and that's kind of like, I mean, anybody that, that read those articles, and I was hoping that those articles would have like an impact on, you know, kind of the way people viewed things and thought about them, but like, you know, look, it, it'll be a media story when, when people want to talk about it. And like, unfortunately it's, it's always been like this controversial topic and it probably was to me too, like thinking about, you know, and and I even just now reading the hall of fame stuff, like, Oh, we're not going to let this guy in for for like PEDs. And I'm like, I have such a different lens to look at this thing through because 
I didn't do anything. Like, I know I didn't do anything. I, I put my head down on the pillow knowing that that 321 next to my name in 2015 and those 15 homers and 54 stakes were earned, every single bit of them. And everything I've ever done in my career was earned. And the funny thing is, if you really take a deep dive into all of it and like, like, you know, people talk about PEDs and all this stuff and they're trying to judge people and do this and do that. And they want to say, well, this guy did it, even though he never tested positive and this guy must be a jerk because he did it. And like, it's like, what are we talking about? Like, what are we even talking about? Like there's a, a ball coming in at 95 and you have to try to hit it. Like, I don't, you can take all the PEDs you want. Like, and oh, by the way, like chicken and coffee are PEDs, by the way, like, cause they have protein and like what, like, I don't know the scientific capabilities of what steroids can do to you. Like, I have no idea because I've never tried them and I would never try them. And I, I don't know, morality told me better. And then it's just ridiculous that I got accused of it. And it sucks. It like really sucks because I've had to live it down. And like, you know, it's a, it's compromised what I could have done after baseball too. Like I would love to be on TV talking about the game or I would have loved to have played three more years and made 10 million more dollars or whatever it was. Just and I, the money frankly didn't even matter. Like I just love playing and I love Toronto. And that's the part that sucks the most is that like that got taken away. I never got to play in Toronto again. Like I would have loved to have played another three, four, seven years. Like I, I frankly, I know I could still hit now. Um, what I did in 2015 wasn't an accident. It wasn't an accident that I hit 300 everywhere I was in the minor leagues. Short of when I was hurt and my first taste of the big leagues when I wasn't getting a real opportunity, like I hit everywhere I went. Like I don't, I don't know why it was such a shock to people that I hit. Like I'll never forget this. Uh, you guys know Sweeney Murdy. He worked with the the Yankees, and mm -hmm. Sweeney's like good buddies with my agent. And like it was August of that year, and we got to Yankee Stadium, and he's like, "Man, you're still on fire, huh?" And I just turned to him, and I don't like. Am I allowed to curse on this? Go ahead. And I turned to Sweeney and I said, "Sweeney." Like, at what point do you stop being on fire and you're just a really good fucking hitter? Like, <laughs> he looked at me and he kind of like, was like, yeah, all right. Like, <laughs> Here's the thing, Chris. I, I had the opportunity to get to know you and get to know your family in spring training before this big breakout season, right? I got to know what you, who you were as a person. So when this news came out, there was I did not believe it for one second. And I based that on as much as I know you as a person that you're not a dumb guy. You'd have to be a dumb, like a really, really dumb guy to take them knowing that you're going to be tested so soon afterwards, number one. Number two, you It was my spring training test. It was the one I knew I was going to get. Yeah. And I went in five days early for my test. Like, who goes in five days early if they're doing something? Exactly. Number two. <laughs> Idiot. You had, you had nothing to gain. After everything that you, all the blood and sweat you put into all those years, all of a sudden this year when you have an opportunity, this is not the time you go, oh, this is my last ditch effort. I gotta no, you wouldn't do that. <laughs> Number three, if you were guilty, you're the type of person that would own it. You would own that shit, man. You yeah. you are not someone who's going to blatantly lie. If you make a mistake, if you screw something up, you're going to say I screwed up. Right. You guys saw that with me when I had to play the damn outfield up well, there. Well, yes. Like, yeah, zoot it. Like, yeah. you know, what do you want me to say? Like, I'm not going to make, like, the lights, the lights did it. Oh, my God. Like, no, nah, I sucked. I'm sorry. Like, I should have been better. But you were a great first I baseman. I, you know what? I thought you were damn I'm good glad, there. 
I'm just really glad that game two of the damn division series happened when I was like a magician over there. Oh, you were, you lit that game up. When did Call Bell figure out how to play defense? And I was like, guys, like, I'm pretty good at this position. Like, they've just been putting me in left field and I stink there. So that's like what you're correlating this. You know, Gordon Eads was with uh, ESPN Boston at the time. And we sat down the day before the playoffs started. um, and, And we're sitting there talking. I was like, I was like, I was like, this is great. The playoffs are so easy. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, yeah, like nobody cares about your batting average anymore. <laughs> like I can go over the series and people are still going to think I'm really good. Like if I went over a series in during the season, I was probably getting sent down. Um, but I was like, if I go over the first four games and then just like get a hit to win game five, like everybody's like, ah, I don't know. So I was like, there's no pressure here. And, uh, I was very, like, I was very calm. Like, I've always been like that in the postseason, even, like, when I played indie ball and the minor league or whatever. Like, I never got worked up in the playoffs. And some people go the other way. I think there's way more pressure being, like, a pre-arbitration player who's undrafted and nobody cares about. And, like, you've got, like, a week to prove yourself in the big leagues. Like, that's way more pressure. than I, I was just hit 321. I was like, man, I led this team in batting average, dude. We got the MVP. I had a higher batting average than him. Hey. Okay, so since I'm, since you talked to Jose, okay, yeah. uh, is there any legitimacy to this pitching thing? Like, do you think he could get get a deal some, or would he take a minor league deal? Like, no, he was just trying to do it for the Dominican team with uh, for the Olympic qualifier. So he, I did the Olympic qualifier with Italy. He was going to do it with the DR, um, and then like potentially even go pitch like the the qual- like for Spain because he could do both. Um. I mean, he's good. Like, he's got a good arm. He's always had a good arm. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, the Stroh show was, like, you know, he's got three legit pitches. I'm like, Stroh's just a, like, he's a good brother, like, supporting role actor there. <laughs> like, that's – I don't think he could pitch in the big leagues. I mean, if he if he really tried, could he? I'm, I wouldn't put it past him. I, I think that guy could do anything. But Could um, you stand in against him? I wouldn't take him deep. I mean, <laughs> he's throwing that straight that straight heater out over the plate like if he tried to get in on me maybe but i mean it's just hard like it, like he probably throws 90 right like which in today's day and age is like you know today it's like uh you know 50 is the new 30 well you know 90 is the new 70 like whatever <laughs> like it's you know everybody's throwing 100 no, I mean, I, I think, like, Bats is so smart. Like, honestly, I'm gonna, this is me serious. Bats is so smart that he would figure out how to get hitters out. Because I think, I, I like, to, if you're smart, I think you can get hitters out in the big leagues. I think you can get hitters out anywhere, including the big leagues. But 90% of it is throwing it over. It's like, you guys watch Mark Burley pitch. Like, he just threw mm-hmm. it 80 down the middle. It was like, didn't matter. Like, he didn't he didn't shake ever. Like, you know, he never shook a pitch off. I know. No. Career. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I I've heard him say that. He never shook a pitch off. Like that's unbelievable. Whereas did I tell you, the, did what? I tell you a story about the time I caught him between innings? No, I remember that. I usually, that, usually that was Kawasaki that would come out there between innings. Yeah. So one day, one day, like Navi was DHing or or catching, and Russell, it, the other one was was like I wasn't playing. So I had caught between innings in Minnesota a lot because nobody cared about me in Minnesota, and I didn't play. So like. <laughs> And the, the best part about it, I'm gonna say this. So remember, I had hurt my right thumb in Minnesota, right? Yeah. Kind of like wrenched me. So catching, like I'm gonna catch with my left hand because I throw righty. So I go out to catch Burles, and first of all, Burles, like 
I'm not throwing super hard, right? But I come in and Gibby's like, hey, what are you doing out there? You have a bad thumb. I was like, Gibby, it's on my right hand. And he was like, you know, like typical Gibby. Like, and I was like, no, no, thanks for looking out. Like, I appreciate that you're looking out for me because that actually means you care enough about me getting hurt that you're going to say something, right? <laughs> so that was good. So, like, I'm catching Burley and I'm like, dude, just come on, like, come with it. Like, I'm waiting for him to, like, let it go. And I know he's, like, probably taking it easy because I'm out there. So I go up to him between innings and I say, he's like, bro, look. I was like, man, like, you don't have to hold back when you're throwing at me between innings. Like, I, I, I can do this. And he's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, no. Like, I'm serious. Like, don't, like, don't do this to make me feel good. Like, don't, just, like, you don't have to lay it in there. Like, throw it, dude. Like, I'll catch it. He's like, Chris, uh, I was like, that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, like, this guy's about to throw 15th straight year with 200 innings in the big leagues. And I'm just like, I just shit on him. And I'm like, oh, I'm, uh, 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 he's like, I don't care. I throw that slop up there all the time. Those guys get themselves out. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Let's you're put right. it this and way. Was, Ari Dickey probably has a, a, a faster fastball than Burley does. No doubt. Dickey could run it up there like 84. Yeah. yeah. Burley was probably throwing 82, 83 that last year. Effective, man. He threw two, like two or three CGs in 15. Hey, his name's on the uh, Hall of Fame ballot for the first time. If you had a vote, um, Burley in the Hall of Fame? He's in my Hall of Fame. Let's put it that oh, way. Oh, you're a sweetheart. I, like, look, I, I, I heard Rosenthal do an interview the other day, um, or it's coming out. He was talking to Middle. Middlebrooks has, like, a fan fantasy pod thing. I don't know, whatever it is. But Rosenthal was on, and he was talking about how much, like, he's started to hate the Hall of Fame uh, the fact that he's got like a vote and like, I think it sucks. Like, I think it's terrible. Like I'm over it too, because in 2020 and 2021 and like today's day and age, like so many people want to have an opinion about people that goes like so far beyond like what they actually know about somebody like, and, and the crazy thing is like the media will like ask us questions, right? Like you ask me a question. And I'm going to give you an answer. And I'm not, I'm not saying like everybody's always honest, but like you're almost guilty till proven innocent. If you say something that somebody doesn't like, I have people telling me Barry Bonds doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. I got people telling me Roger Clemens don't belong in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Pete Rose. Really, Pete Rose yeah, should be in the like, Hall of Fame. Right. And, and at the end of the day, it's just because they really don't like people. Like mm. you just don't like them. You don't like the story you heard about them. You resent them because they're really good. Oh, yeah. It's not about baseball. Is Barry Bonds in the Hall of Fame? Yes, he's the best hitter of all time. He like, did he did Barry so Bonds much of that Bonds? before the PEDs. You Barry look at his, Bonds his could hit right-handed and been good enough to be in the Hall yeah. of Fame. Yeah. Does anybody have any comprehension of how good that guy was? That guy's like a walking video game his whole career. Like PED, not PED, size, whatever. Like, I don't even care. Like watching that guy was it was like a cartoon. Like he like it was like watching triangle up down Z Y. And he ran. <laughs> RBI baseball, right? Home run after home run. Right? Like, how are we going to sit here and say Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame? So, like, anyway, I hate how much you're involved in my life. I, I want you to know this, Barry. Like, I, I <laughs> hang hate... on a second. You want to? Do you want to preface this or? I'm a, yeah, yeah. So, like, I, like I've watched, I've watched that highlight six hundred thousand times. Right? Yeah, and like minimum. And I always, and Ho, it's funny, Hosey said this too, and the, the week that the the, uh, uh, the channel, Sportsnet, was doing, you know, they showed the division series or whatever, like, during quarantine and, mm -hmm. and all that stuff. So, like, we were all getting calls to do interviews. 
So Hosey, uh, Hosey did an interview like two days after I did. And like he said, like my favorite thing to watch is like the dugout reactions, the fan reactions. So, and I'm a hundred percent same way. Like, so you remember like my walk-off hit when you told me Pilar and Martin had to pay for your, your dry cleaning or whatever. Oh yeah. I, I watch those like dugout reactions. I always love dugout. I don't even care about the moment. I just want to see what everybody else did. So with Hosey, like when they go to the side view, I always watch the side view and like, I got to give you credit, which sucks. This is the worst part. That <laughs> I think, I think you reacted faster than anybody else on that line. Like as soon as the ball was hit, like you were like, if it was in slow motion it was like ah, like little kid like and but the work like you, your jump wasn't as bad as edwin's if you go back and watch oh yeah jump, he's like, oh, oh, oh. so i gotta give you credit because it looked like you reacted before anybody else in the well or in the stands like i've literally watched what every person in every camera shot could do um but did you so, notice where see uh, the actual initial reaction, the jump, was very unprofessional and unfitting for my job. Matters. Who cares? But but so but I said screw it. I I was a Blue Jays fan in 1977. I followed this team my whole life. That was thirty some forty years of number one. Number I'm two. A- did you notice how quickly I brought myself down? I went no shit. I'm not allowed I to do this. Want- after that, I'm watching the cop. You want to talk about unprofessional? Yeah. I'm watching the cop behind you, like, yes. You want to <laughs> like, who cares about professional, unprofessional in that moment? That moment was so sick. Like, you were allowed to do whatever the f you want. What did you like, do? Where were you, and what did you do? So I, I was on, I was in the hole. Go watch the dugout reaction. So I'm in the hole, and the shit that's crazy is that. Sorry, I cursed. Um, Bats, Bats and I had talked about Dyson the night before. And he was like, he was like, cause he saw him in game three, I think, or either game two or game three. And he's like, I, I got him. And I was like, okay. He's like, as soon as I, I saw the change up from him, so I'm good. And I know Hosey loves like sinker ballers, right? Even if they're throwing a hundred thousand miles an hour. And he's like, I got the change up. I'm good. So I'm just praying Donaldson doesn't ground into a double play. I was like, please don't hit into a double play. Please don't hit into a double play. Please don't hit into a double play. And then he hits that, like, whatever, <laughs> ball, like, that just sneaks over a door. And then it's crazy because they get a force out, and we're like, what, is the game tied? Like, what's going on? So I know Hosey's going to do damage right here, right? And I don't know what it's going to look like. Yeah, I know he's going to hit something hard. Like, I, I can feel it. Like, when he fouled the first pitch off, I was like, He's got him. Like, I can tell he's got him. He's just got to get the ball up. So I'm, like, glued to him. So I always do my on-deck routine. Like, I would do two – like, I would time up two arm motions or whatever. And I'm standing there, and I'm, like, leaning on the bat. I'm, like, he's going to kill a ball. He's going to kill a ball. And as soon as he hit it, I went like this. I went like this right away, and I put my hands up. And as soon as I did that, because I know it's gone, I turned back, and I look at him, and I got to see him being like <sighs> – And I was like, dude, he's going to do something crazy. And then all hell breaks loose. Price is like banging my helmet. Like, no, Stroman like dunked on me. Price is like, and I just stood there and I was like this. I was like, oh my God. I, I'm like looking around and we all blacked out though. Like you can't, it's crazy. Cause like, I'm so, 
I can't remember like what anybody around me did. And those are the things that I take so much pride in. Like I usually know everything everybody's doing. And like, unless I went back and watched it, I would have, I would have no idea. Like I, I just remember seeing him go like, Ooh, and that was it. And I'm like, I, I'm, I look back after I was like, price was like banging on my helmet. And I was like, I don't, I didn't feel that. <laughs> not, how so soon, sick. how soon after it happened, did you watch the, the video replay? Like, did you guys run into the clubhouse to watch it? Like as soon as the last bottle of champagne got popped, like I definitely did it before I got in the shower. Now, so you want to talk about some stupid stuff. I ate crap twice in that game, right? The one was up at bat and the second one was coming out of the dugout. Like I ate it. Like you can go watch the dugout reaction after the final out. I tried to jump over. My foot got stuck because I didn't have my cleats on. I slipped and I pow, right? So I'm about to go in the shower and I get, we finally like take all the things off the lockers where it's going crazy. And I get my phone and I'm like, you know, I have 972 text messages and I'm like, Oh, so sick, bro, dude. And I went up to Hosey. I'm like, dude, look at it. we were all watching it. Right. And, and then like, I go in the shower and I'm like, I'm probably like the last guy to shower. And I'm like, why does my hip hurt? Like, like dude, my hip hurts really bad. And I was like, oh, that's right. I ate it coming out of the dugout. But, like, it didn't hurt because of the adrenaline and stuff. Like, to the point where George Poulos was so worried about the amount of pain I was in the next day when we got to Kansas City. Like, he made me go see, the like, the chiropractor, like, the dry needling crap that Stroman always used to do. I'm like, Georgie, I'm like, I'm fine. Just leave me alone. Like, it's just a little sore. Like, I played through, I played through, like, basically I couldn't squeeze a bat last year. Not well, but, like, this is, like, nothing compared to that. He's like, no, 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 you got to see the, the guy. And I was like, no. But I, I watched Hosey's Homer that night. Easily, I watched it 150 times. <laughs> like, I just kept rewinding. It was on every channel, so. So getting back to the whole, you, you, I'm, I'm in your life forever. You never really, that you're always no, watching. Like, I just hate that I have to see you. You'll never forget about me, ever. That's the only reason I agree. I, I mean, to talk to you right because hey. i see you so often that i'm like God. see like i'll be see. sitting at my computer trying to do work and there i am uh, let me watch the highlight very jumping yeah Golly see bear. you know that to me wait a minute time out. i'm gonna do the interview now tom where were you uh when it happened i was in a kitchen cooking i was training as a manager for this chain of restaurants and uh i was i think they had me out in ottawa and, no, it was in Windsor. It was in Windsor. So everybody was Detroit Tigers fans. And they hated the Jays. And I, I, they wouldn't let me out of the kitchen to watch. So I was, like, watching through this little serving window out at a table or the TV at the other end of the dining room. And I heard people screaming. And, yeah, yeah. I was a little bit – my reactions weren't as good as Barry's. I, you were allowed to be unprofessional. So if you threw a pan, it would have been fine. You know, it's funny, like – that 2015 season, literally, like, we could talk about that all day because it was. There were so many magical things that happened. Um, but, wow. Like, does it still give you the chills? Like, if you watch, if you rewatch any of that season, like that, those, specifically the playoff games, what's yeah, that like I to mean, relive it? What I mean, we relive it as, as fans having watched it, but to actually have done it, and then relive it. 
the funniest thing is we all talk about it. Like the guys that I'm still close with the guys that I still like, and we're like, dude, nothing will ever like, nothing will ever be like this. You know? Um, even, I mean, even Sanchi who went to the Astros and granted he was hurt when, you know, they made the run there. Like he was like, dude, it's not the same. Yeah. Like that was, I mean, I think that the best part for us, we were all, we were all like really close and like a lot of, in a lot of weird, hateful ways, we were like super close. Like, and I don't mean that like badly. Like, it, it, like I, we talked before the show about like the brother, like the brotherly love, like how you get pissed at somebody and then you're like, ah, oh, he's still my brother. Like, I, I got it. And and like Stro, probably like used the term brother. Like he's my brother. Like he uses it too much, but like I, I really, like I honestly felt that way. And I, I, I those. Like growing up, those are my favorite kind of teams to be on. Like you felt in high school and college sometimes, like whatever summer ball. But like, I didn't know it was possible in the big leagues. I, got, I felt that in indie ball because it's different. But like I didn't know it was possible for a team to have that kind of camaraderie, whatever you want to call it, in the big leagues. Like we just all really believed in each other. And we all came from such different – like we all had like similar backgrounds in the sense that like – the, the veteran players, the like the older guys on that team, and I, I kind of consider myself a veteran, even though I was like early on in my big league career, I was 30 at the time or whatever it was, 31. And uh, like we all like had our struggles to get there. Like Donaldson didn't, it wasn't easy. Batista wasn't easy. Pilar. It wasn't easy. Yeah, like KP, um, Dickey, uh, you know, there was nobody that like, you know, other than, I mean, Tulo and, and Price in the trade, but like all the like, we had that, that kind of like, yeah, like we're going to figure out how to do this and we're all allowed to be ourselves. Like that was the best part. It's like, I think we all at some point identified that we needed to be ourselves to be good. Um, and that was something that I give Jose a lot of credit for, because like, if you go look at his like, like discovery, when his discovery happened, he like, he just started doing what like he was supposed to do, like what he wanted to do instead of like what people had told him to do forever. Um, and that was kind of how I felt for, for, you know, Donaldson kind of the same thing. Like I, it was the first time I was allowed to be myself and like, just be like goofy, crazy, stupid, boring, annoying, whatever you are, like just be it. And then show up at seven Oh five and or seven Oh seven. Sorry. In Toronto. We yes. You know what you're describing though is, is so rare because whether it be a group of people at work, uh, a people on, on, uh, in a class at school, you're going to have clicks you're going to have one or two that they're going to make fun of or is going to be outcasts. There's going to be rivalries and people just not liking each other. Like that, ha that stuff had to happen at some point. Right. But, but, it, yeah, I mean, but you were close enough that you would like, cause we all know about the Stroman Sanchez thing that went on. Right. And whether or not they that was made the a, next year, but yeah, yeah I mean, but it, it, like they were there, yeah, they were like, like this, that in 2015. Yeah. Yeah. And I, like, I think that's, but I think that's like usually like the glue, the glue guys are like somewhere in, like the people that you don't risk necessarily like think about. And I like totally was a glue guy. Kawa is a glue guy. Uh, Burley's a glue guy. I probably me. Cause like I had the ability to like connect the Latin guys and everybody like LaTroy. Like, I'm thinking yeah, LaTroy Hawkins. Like, was Troy, like that's really important. Yeah, for sure. And like, the glue guys are like kind of able to make fun of themselves. Like when somebody's like getting on somebody, like totally was like the king of like knowing how to make fun of himself, right? Like somebody would like be crapping on somebody and totally be like, huh, you should see me try to hit. <laughs> like, and, you're like, what? and I'm like, totally, you're the man. Like, 
but we had the ability to do that. And I, I think nobody, like there's some big personalities, right. And every now and then something would rub you the wrong way or whatever. But the, the, I think the best part is we all acknowledge the fact that we had a chance to be really, really good. Um, we knew, like we knew we could, we should have won the world series, obviously, but we knew we could win the world series. And especially when we made the trades, the trades, um, everybody just looked at each other in a different way in the clubhouse and you just understood it. I mean, and you know, Gibby and DeMarlo and, and, and Brooke Jacoby and Pete Walker and Tim Leeper. And you, I mean, you're talking about guys that like I've run through a wall for Louie. Um, you know, these are guys that I, I they, they made me feel special. Like I, I never forget. Uh, I give Gibby so much credit. Like, right. My, my second game, Second game in the big leagues with Toronto. Now, bear in mind, I've, I've had, like, I've just gone through this painful, like, up and down with Minnesota. Like, I, I, I through April, I was one of the better hitters in the American League. I hurt my thumb, and then two weeks later, I'm down. I'm leading the team in RBIs by 10. I get sent down in Minnesota. <laughs> and I can barely squeeze the bat. Like, nobody's taking me seriously. I, I mean, I prove that I, I belong there, right? Like, I know that I belong there. I, that's part, part of why I ended up in Toronto is because I had that big series against the Jays in Minnesota. Um, but like, I remember getting called up and it, like, you know, I was hearing rumors of like, you know, it's just till Saunders and Valencia turned his ankle or whatever. Like he's going to go back down in a minute. I was like, and I had told Gibby and Alex when they sent me down in spring training, I said, listen, like, I want to commend you guys. You guys have talked about character guys. Like, this is the squad. I was like, I don't know how many games we're going to win, but it's going to be really fun. And I, and they were like, Oh yeah. You know, we see you being a part of that. And I said, good. Cause when I get there, I'm not leaving. That's exactly what I said to him. I mark my words. So my second game, I'm here. Like, again, I'm hearing these rumors. Oh, he's going to get sent down. Blah, blah, blah. And I, <laughs> base double my first at bat base hit my next. At bat. I went two for four in the first game. I, I'm three for three in the second game with a couple stakes or whatever. And I get to the rack. We're like up six to one or six to two. I get to the bat rack to get my helmet out, my, my bat. And, you know, Gibby in his very, like, Gibby voice was like, hey, right, 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 stay greedy right here. Like, he goes, stay, stay greedy. And I was like, I was like, yeah, Gib, like, I'm going to stay greedy. Like, I'm not going to go get my fourth hit for me. Like, number one, like, it's sick that you said something to me right now. Number two, like, it's awesome that you know that I'm three for three and it would be like an easy way, like an easy time to give away an at-bat. And, like, number three, like, your voice is awesome. So I'm going to go get a hit for you. So I literally, I literally remember like I was in the box and I was like, I'm like having this like grinder at bat against Esmeo Rogers. He threw the kitchen sink up there and I'm like, I'm not making it out. And it's, like, I literally felt like it was forget. And that was, you know, no offense to guardian or anything like that, but it was the first time I felt like, like that guy had my back, you know? So lost. it was like a six or seven pitch at bat that you, that you knuckled through there for that fourth hit, if, if I'm yeah. not mistaken, he, right? He threw, uh, he threw the old curveball. He had gone like he had gone heater, slider, heater, change, like heater, slider again, and then he went. He tried to go like big hook, and McCann obviously didn't know that I hit curveballs pretty good. And <laughs> down, and I, I mean, I was feeling nasty. I I was using Michael Saunders' bat batting gloves from like the back room spikes from the back room go-go's glove I, awesome. I remember i didn't have my bag I, my bag was on its way to durham <laughs> <laughs> so i had to use everybody else's crap i was like oh whatever 
Did you keep using Saunders' bat? Hell no. My bat ain't got no knocks in it. I took them all out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just no, his bat, like, it was the closest thing to my model. But I'm telling you, I felt so awkward because my bat was, like, an, a full ounce heavier than his. So I'm swinging his 34-31s or 34-31 and a half. And my, like, at the time, I was swinging 34-32s. But, like, mine were either 34-32s or 34-32 and a half. But, like, the model was, like, really close. I was like, man, this is too light. Um, and then the first night, I got to hit my first bat. So I was like, all right, I guess I got to use it again. Because I was just going to keep rotating bats until I found one that got a hit, right? And then <laughs> I just stayed with it. And then, like, I was, like, I was six for my first eight. And then I hit a home run. I was, like, seven for nine with Saunders' bat. I'm like, man, I should probably keep using these things. Like, Were you always that superstitious? <laughs> Barry, Barry, you're talking to baseball players. Like we're all superstitious. Yeah, but like but that's did, that's a little went, bit like I, over I the went top, back man. to my bats and I still raked. If I recall, Hosey once shaved his beard between innings after being like 0 for three or something like that, and he came up for his last at bat and he shaved, and then for the final at bat, the full beard was back again. That's how quickly it. Yeah, that yeah. <laughs> you're, you're implying that he grew facial hair fast. Yes. I get it. But do you Good remember one. like? Hey. No, I don't remember that. But, like, you guys just do crazy things like that, right? You do weird stuff, man. Like, you know how hard it is to wait? All right, first of all, like, you get four at-bats a night if you're lucky, right? Like, if you play or if, like, you know, some guys that don't, like, that are, like, that get relegated to not playing every day will get, like, four at-bats a week. Like, Go-Go, there was a stretch where I think Go-Go didn't play for, like, three weeks. Um, And I'm thinking to myself, like, man, his next at-bat, coming off like you know off this is gonna be tough right and like first of all like waiting 47 minutes or like an hour between competitions meaning like personal battles like hitting it's like a pain and real pain in the ass like you, you know what kind of tricks your brain can play on you like while you're doing that yeah. like especially if you're playing some stupid position like right field where nobody hits the ball or dh, DH like, yeah. yeah like you know like so I had to, like, first of all, like, when you get up when you're young in the big leagues or a rookie or whatever, like, you don't want to, like, do anything stupid. So you're like, I'm dh in. Like, normally, like, when I dh in the Mexican Winter League, I would go into the clubhouse, I'd take my shoes and my pants off, and I would eat tacos and drink sodas and play video games so that I could take my mind off my last at bat. Do you have any pictures of that by chance on your Instagram? No. Uh, um, <laughs> I hit... I hit pretty good in that league. So now I'm in the big leagues. Like I probably like, can't like, like I'm not going to like be on my phone playing like solitaire when Josh Donaldson walks in to go to the back. Like, not that he would have cared, but like, I, it was still like different. So I, like, and by Toronto, I was like my third or fourth year in the big league. So I, like, it was a little easier, but you know, the kind of stuff that can go through your brain, like when you're Oh, for six and you have like you like you're DHing or you're not getting a ball hit you in the field. Like, do you have any idea how hard that is, Barry? Uh, I I was at fantasy well, camp. You do recall, and I spent a lot of time in right field. So, yeah. You know who they usually put in right field in little league? Yeah, the kid who can't play, right? I'd usually I mean, I'd, you, I'd, you, I'd, you, I'd I was gonna I was gonna say the best player, but you said you just said what you said. Yeah, but you know what? I I I kind of. Uh, supersede all that because i was a goalie in hockey so i thought you were gonna say, I you were gonna say you're a gold glover and i was gonna laugh no. 
Oh, come on. You weren't even there. Uh, when... No, you were here too. Like, I heard go, and I was like, yeah, Gold Glover, man. Oh, hang on a second. Well, you are, no, are, no, Hang I, on. I, yeah. Are you referring I've to the – Are you referring to the so-called ball that I dropped in the camera bay? You weren't even there then, were you? Listen. I know oh. everything. We did the interview in Tampa. Remember when I had my broken finger? I was a bro- yeah. I had a broken finger, and you kept trying to like put it on camera. I'm like Barry. It's, it's just my job, man. My hey, it's not a big deal. It's a National Enquirer, man. People um, want to know. And so yeah, like long story. I I broke the tip this part of my finger, and it just sucks. Like anybody that yeah, just the tip. Like anybody that wants to like, like so when I would hit like when you get, when you swing like the, that part of the bat, it sucked. Like it hurt. Um, and I'd already had like the thumb problem the year before. And I, I was like, uh, yeah, I'm like pep talking myself into like, if you're going to play, you need to play. Like, don't, you're going to like ruin your season, whatever, blah, blah. The next day I was like, Oh, for like, you're doing the interview with me and I'm Oh, for four. I hadn't put a ball in play going into my last at bat. I had two foul outs and two punch outs. You remember this, the zero, zero game in Tampa. Yeah. Marco throwing a James throwing a no hitter into like the ninth and yeah. he couldn't score. That's when Donaldson dove into the camera bay to make yeah. the catch. Yeah. And uh so I I hit a 12 inning homer there. And I was like my pep talk to myself on deck was like, like, quit being a not nice word. Like if you're gonna play, you play like it's I, like that. I was walking, I was like talking myself into like go on deck. Worked out. I hit a bomb. So then I, was, I thought you were going to say, I got in the batter's box and I kept thinking, I'm going to get interviewed by Barry after the game. I'm going to get interviewed by. I'm going to hit a walk off so that way he can interview me. Can't hit walk offs on the road, Barry. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? Tom? Just a Blue Jay hitting a home run in Tampa is something to celebrate. Well, yeah, we struck. I mean, like, it's funny. We just. We didn't score a ton of runs down there. I always hit good at the trap. I don't know why. It's so weird. It's it like looks the worst like, place ever. I don't know. For some reason, it just looks inviting. Like, oh, I can hit a home run here. The you know? clubby made the best Cuban sandwiches, like, post-BP and for lunch. Oh my How God, good did you guys get it? Okay, as a ball player, like, on, on a game day, how many meals a day are you paying for? Do you know what clubhouse dues cost? <laughs> You, the you tips have, you guys give them? No. Do you have any idea what dues were when I was in the big leagues? No, I didn't oh, know. I want to know this. Yeah. I paid seventy five dollars a day. Yeah. So we would get a hundred bucks in meal money, and it would just like usually like the if you had if you were arbitration, you'd leave just leave a hundred. So like you get your meal money, and it just all goes to the clubby. So like, I mean, usually if if you go in, if you're if you don't choose to eat lunch with your family, you eat lunch post BP, and then after the game, unless you're going out to dinner with your family. So like. Technically, you can eat three times. Like, I, I'm going to tell you something. I, I should have taken way more advantage of being a big leaguer. I didn't like, I didn't eat anything. Like, I get to the field and I wouldn't be hungry. And instead of being like, hey, let me get a rotisserie, you know, steak, chicken meal with a lobster and you know, the special glaze with the sauce and the extra whatever, which you could get, you can get all that in New York. Like, I would just like eat very mildly the only times i would really crush the only times i would really crush yankee stadium well yankee stadium's different because they have literally lobster shrimp like on the getaway day like you could literally there's not a food you can't find in the clubhouse at yankee stadium 
the two things that I would crush at home and Nigel used to be our chef. Um, he used to make this like incredible, like kind of gluten-free, like little pizza with like the thick salami on it. And that was so tight. Like I, if I wasn't playing, like I would try to eat like three of those pregame, like right before the game, like right after BP, I literally tried to eat three whole ones and I would just keep like eating them. And then on weekends, it was either Saturdays or Sundays at home. We get ribs. Now I don't really associate barbecue and Toronto. Like that's not, <laughs> that's not like what I do. We had these ribs that were so nasty, right? I would always, <laughs> I would take like an extra plate <laughs> and I would put all my bones in the extra plate. And I tried to, I tried to make like stacks like yay high. <laughs> of bones. That's the only two things I really crushed. And, we did do a good job with buffalo chicken. Although I don't know why everybody wants to use ranch in Canada with buffalo chicken. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah, I never get the ranch. I I used to work at a chicken wing restaurant, and and I never got the ranch thing. And and it's not all Canadians. It's like a fifty fifty thing. Yeah, I, I like they. I I wasn't even allowed to bring blue cheese in the clubhouse. Like they, Nigel would be like, "Oh, we only have ranch." So I was like, "All right, I'll deal with it." One day they had us fill out like a, a food thing. They're like, what would you like to see more of? And I, CJ was our strength coach, Chris Joyner. Mm-hmm. I said to him, I was like, like is this serious? Like, uh, what He's like, what's your favorite food? And I was like, buffalo chicken. He's like, uh, what would you like to see more of for breakfast? I was like, buffalo chicken omelet. What do you want to see more of for lunch? Buffalo chicken quesadilla. What do you want to see more of pregame? Uh, buffalo chicken wings. What do you want to see after game? Buffalo chicken pizza. Like, what do you, like, what do you want me to answer? <laughs> speaking of, of you know what? eating and, and and all uh do you still chew like my food when no, I oh your yeah. tobacco <laughs> speaking of only in baseball <laughs> like that's that's another one of those things like uh you ever uh <laughs> again silicon valley in the show yeah uh, like you know this is you know, let's just watch. Are you ripping my questions? I'm nothing, no comment. Okay. <laughs> Which means you know the answer, but whatever. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. That's all right. I just thought it was a baseball thing. Like you only do it when you play baseball because you're bored yeah, to tears. Or think about baseball or start building a baseball company or like whatever. Or you have baseball stuff behind you or you're bored. Joey Bats must game. be so disappointed that you do that. Who? Bats? Yeah. He's yeah, like, that's judging me all the time for things. He's, but he's sorry, a health like food my, guy. It's like my big brother. It's all right. You look at the roster from 2015, there's like maybe three guys still playing in the majors. And the latest guy to no longer be in the majors is Justin Smoke, who just signed a deal to play in Japan this year. Uh, is that something you ever would have thought? Like, would you ever consider going overseas and playing? I always thought I was going to end up over there after my career. Like, I, I'm... I can still hit right now. It's like, it would like, I feel like I'm way better now than I was three years ago, which is weird. Cause my knowledge base has gone up. Like physically, I don't, like, I don't have, like, I just hit guys. Like I, I didn't have to run. Like, obviously I played first base and DH. So like, if I needed to play the corner outfield, I would like, there's not a lot of stress on my body. Um, I think like, I think it's crap that people think that just cause you're, you know, you're 36 or 37 or whatever, like you can't play anymore. Like you're old. Like David Ortiz hit till he was 40. Tom Brady's playing the NFL quarterback in the NFL. He's like 109. 
So like, you're going to tell me I can't hit anymore. Like hitting is a thing where like my brain matters more than anything else. Right. And physicality wise, I got nothing's worse, nothing's slower. Uh, so I mean, yeah, I would have definitely pictured myself going over there, but you know, we can point back to the situation that I got put through and, and part of the reason why none of the far East teams will sign me is because of that. So like, I would have definitely gone over there. Um, it sucks. Like I would have loved that experience too. Like I would love to like get to know Japan or Korea. And I was talking to Andrew Albers the other day and, you know, we're talking about the experience and I've talked to a bunch of guys that have played over there. I, I, I could have definitely, like, I think I had easily, like, easily four more years in the big leagues um, because that would have got me to my 35. And I think, like I said, I'd still be okay right now. I don't shoot. Kratz, he's a catcher, and this guy's hanging around. He's, like, 45 He's awesome. He's awesome. Love Kratz. That's my guy. Yeah. We talk all the time. I talked to him on the phone the other day. Well, you tell, uh, him, tell him I said hello. He's been on the show. He's uh, he's a good, good, good guy. Listen, Kratz, he's good, we we've it's, it's we got to wrap now but you know, i mean we've talked about i thought we were gonna wrap an hour ago i know we talked a lot <laughs> of, we talked a lot about the past okay and let's talk about you know the future real quickly and last time i had you on i had you address the fact that there are, are people that will have had their mind made up forever and they're going to say you you're guilty you're a cheater you're this you're that you're never going to sway those people what do you have to say for the people, the, the Blue Jays fans here that have remained Chris Colabello fans and, you know, are still with you and want to see you get your name cleared? They're awesome, man. Like, I, I still get, like, I get support. It, it's weird, like, on social media, like, I still, like, still run into some crap here and there. But, like, there's so many people that send me nice messages that it, I just, I honestly wish, like, going back, I wish, like, I could go back to 2016 and have that perspective that I have now um, toward how many people really had my back and supported me because it would have been so much easier to deal with this. It um, like the thing that, that, that killed me. Right. And I think, you know, anybody that knows me knows this, like it just takes me a minute to get used to things. Like I have to figure out how to adapt to them. And for whatever reason, and not for whatever reason, like obviously it was a pretty, devastating thing to have happen and and it's it's so easy to just hear the rumblings and people talking smack and like the funny thing was all those people who were going to talk smack were probably going to talk smack anyway about something else whether i went over four or you know they wanted another guy to play first or they're going to say i was too old or i couldn't play defense or my batting average jump balls and play or whatever so um you know i i think i want like there's so many fans that I, I built relationships with and I wish I honestly like I wish I could do it with more of them um I think one of my favorite things is to like to see how vested like people are in us and how much of a difference we can make in their lives and I you know I try to do the best I can and obviously there's only so many hours in a day but um like anytime fans like reach out or, or say something nice on social media I have a tendency to like, like it or try to comment back or whatever. And sometimes it's hard. Like I'm not, cause I'm not like spending all my time on, on social, but it, uh, it, it means a lot to hear support. And I think, 
you know, I, I just hope it's a reflection. Like, I hope it's a reflection of the person that I was and, and how much pride I took in being a Blue Jay, you know, or a Blue, I have to say a Blue Jays because it's not a Blue Jay. Like, you're a Blue Jays, right? No, nah, you can say Blue Jay. No, I think Blue Jay. Yeah, Blue Jay works. Team is the Toronto Blue Jays, so you can't say I'm a Toronto Blue Jay. I, I'm a Toronto Blue Jays. Oh. It, I've always gone through this, this exercise. It's weird. Because the plural of... Hey, Mick Jagger doesn't say I'm a Rolling Stones. He says yeah. I'm a Rolling Stone. So anyway, um, I uh, like Toronto is the greatest time in my life. Um, like I'm a I'm a Blue Jay through and through. Like I don't, you know, as much as my time in Minnesota happened before, um, I'll consider myself a Blue Jay for life. Like I. I loved everything about that place. I loved the people. I loved the country. I loved the city. I loved where I stayed. I loved where I went and got coffee. I loved um, the media you know, <clears throat> stores, like everything about Toronto and Canada and the way they received us, even in the off season that year, Kevin and I got to do some appearances. We went to Fort McMurray and Saskatoon and went to Edmonton and, um, it was so cool, man. Like I, I'm so thankful for the people there and and that because at the end of the day that's what it comes down to is the people right it's the people that that make up a, a city a community a country so um it, i get choked up thinking about it because i it was so great um i'm glad i could have an impact on people's lives like that was the that was the thing that mattered the most like i got to make a difference and i'll never forget like i hit the double off hamels in game two and I remember, like, I was I was looking at the dugout, and I was like, let's go. And then I got to second base, and I looked up behind home plate, and the crowd was pretty loud at the time. And I went, I went, let's go up behind center field, like, behind home plate. And the crowd changed decibels. And, you know, to think about being able to have an impact on that many lives and, and how many people were vested in what we were doing. It's the stuff oh, you, you know, yeah. it's the stuff dreams are made of, man. So well, I'll tell you thank what, you. In, in, and, and this is why, Chris, this is why, you know, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, before I knew any details of what they were reporting, I knew that's not Chris Colabello. There's no way he's doing something like that, you know, because I knew you as a character. In the short time that I got to know you, but I, you know, I've, I've considered myself a good judge of character. I know I got to know your dad, Lou, and your mom, just wonderful people that that's why I've stuck. This is why I still want you to come on the show. This is why I still reach out to you because you know, I've had your, I've had your back there since day one. Appreciate you, Barry. Much of the crap I give you, man. I appreciate you, dog. You know, <laughs> I, 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 that means a lot. It's uh, I hope like the only thing I can, you know, I've always, my, my parents taught me well. And I think you, you just pray that people will, will, you know, when they think back to, to me, they'll, they'll reflect on their experiences with me instead of, you know, whatever, like something they read or saw or heard or whatever. And I think that's, that's the thing I wish the most for people in general is that they, you know, before they pass judgment on things, just, just get to know the people that, that, uh, you know, are involved because at the end of the day, like, you know, how, who am I to judge anybody? Like until I get to know something, you know, and, we, and that's the society we live in, unfortunately. But, you know, I, that's the thing that, that matters the most is when I hear people that, you know, 
recognize my character through my actions and i appreciate that so all right it means a lot we can't end on a sad note so let's end on a, a funny note okay so you, you mentioned no no even better okay character wise so we mentioned justin smokes going to japan to play baseball he meets Muninori yep. Kawasaki on, on the first day at camp. What advice does Muni give to Justin Smoke? Hey, Justin. How are you? I'm doing hey. great, buddy. What's going on with you? We never scared. Kawa never scared. Just throw. Just hit. Catch. Just catch. Just win! <laughs> uh, 2015, how call English? How call English? Uh, uh, very good. Way better than 2016. Yeah, I have two books, bro. You remember that? When he, he did that with Box? He goes, yeah, I have, I have two books, bro. Hey, listen, I still like every like, couple This of... is unbelievable. Like, who does this? <laughs> listen, every few months, somebody retweets that interview i did with him about monkeys never crap how did you not lose it oh i lost it because i'm a professional man no 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 no. like i kept seeing your face like you were like so wait it was just a cramp no because monkey never craps and i like wait what did you say monkey never craps no because monkey never craps (laughs) how many how many uh you know you know i have banana how many did you have you three I can I can do Kawa's uh, interview. Did you have you, you ever done Muni for Muni? Uh yeah, probably. Like the there's so much funny stuff that that guy did. He he big poppy Kawa little poppy. Oh yeah, you know, I interviewed. Big, I've got he big Kawa small. If you go <laughs> if you go to YouTube, you'll see the interview I did. I watch him all the time. I show him to people. I'm like, do you realize I had to play with this guy? <laughs> When, like, he didn't understand a question, he would always go, like, and people would, like, rephrase it. He'd be like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, when you saw Kyle going, yeah, yeah, you knew he didn't understand the question. But he was awesome. He, I mean, he tried so hard. And I think he was so genuine. It was, that's why people loved him, the dance. There is Chris Colabello. And that is got to be the best Minonori Kawasaki impersonation. And Chris does... I didn't know Chris was so good at doing different voices. He did a whole bunch of them in the show. Man, what what an amazing, engaging conversation. Um, you know, every week it seems that we, we just get, like, more and more in-depth with these players. And, and this is one that, you know, for all of our listeners that made it to the end of this, I'm sure you guys will agree, what a journey. What an amazing, yeah. amazing talk with an awesome guy. There will be a video up of this entire conversation it will be on our members page at patreon.com slash out of the park. And for as little as $3 a month, you can help support the show and watch the full entire conversations on video, which I think is really cool. We've had a lot of requests for that lately. Yep, exactly. Yeah, it's going. It's something that everybody's really enjoying. It's cool. <laughs> Big thanks again to Chris Colabello for joining us on next week's show. We'll be joined by former Blue Jay. And how close was he to becoming a Blue Jay for a third time? Because he was already a Blue Jay twice. Mm -hmm. Liam Hendricks will join us. And he is going to give us the scoop on just how interested the Toronto Blue Jays were. Very interesting conversation coming up next week, Tom. Ah, I can't wait. Another another absolute monster former Blue Jays player that is unbelievably 
forthright and open and fun to talk to. Hey, you know what? As we go, uh, I want to thank you as always. And uh, I do want to say that I had no idea that you and Chris Colabello had something in common. You know what that is? No. Neither one of you have ever had any interest in going to a gym. <laughs> Folks, thank you so very much for making us a part of your week. You've been listening to Out of the Park with Barry Davis. Thanks for joining us. Get home safely and see you next time.